I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. song so much i almost played the whole thing uh that is the music of little river band featuring my guest today on the program glenn shark let me tell you a little bit about glenn shark now before we begin the program i want to tell you a story uh in 1983 i was in seventh grade and i was at the bus stop having uh, a conversation with some friends of mine you know i was 13 years old and the topic of conversation was the usual topic of conversation for new teenagers we were talking about the little river band (laughs) and i don't know why we were but we were and i said that they were one of the greatest american bands because those are the kinds of declarations you make when you're young anyway we were talking and uh, this guy came over he was an eighth grader and his name was mike healy and he said little river band are not american i said yes they are they're from little river uh, Arkansas. And he was like, no, they're not. I said, yeah, they are. They're from, they're from Little River, uh, Mississippi. And he's like, nope, my mom's Australian. And she went to high school with the guitar player. And I said, I still don't believe you. So we put 10 bucks on it. And here's how we settled it. The next day, his mom came to the bus stop. And with her Australian accent, she did indeed confirm Little River Band were an Australian band. So I guess in that scenario, I was the lonesome loser. But the story has a happy ending because I got to interview Glenn Shorick and Mike Healy didn't. So let's start our story. And guess what? It doesn't start in Australia. Nope. Our story begins in Kent, England, where Glenn Shorick was born in the summer of 1944. Note that he was born in England and not Australia. 
which means that Mike Healy owes me my money back. I'll have to get it from him uh, or his mom. Now, Glenn Shorrock's dad was a Yorkshire-born fitter and tuner, and his mom had been a tap dancer. At age 10, they took the family to live in Australia. They settled in Adelaide, but Shorrock's London-born mom was not into it. So she took Glenn and his sister back to England. Two years later, they came back to Australia and settled in Elizabeth, an outer northern suburb of Adelaide. Now, Shorrock's first foray into singing is straight out of a movie. So dig, if you will, a picture. Shorrock is 14. He's at St. Peter's Lutheran Church Hall. He's singing along to All Shook Up. He's playing a cardboard guitar. And then, for some strange reason, the music stops. But... Shorrock doesn't. He just keeps singing. And he crushes it. A galvanizing moment for sure, and one that presented a clear path for Shorrock to have a career in music. So two years later, he formed the cover doo-wop band The Checkmates. Two years after that, he founded The Twilights. Now, The Twilights just took right off. The band had eight straight hit singles, and they became known for being a great live act. They based out of Melbourne, and they amassed a loyal teen following. And in 1967, weeks before Sgt. Pepper's got a proper Australian release, the band performed the whole album in its entirety in a live setting. Which means that for some Australians, the first time they ever heard Sgt. Pepper's was when it was played by the Twilights. The Twilights had a good run. They lasted about five years, and by the time they called it a day in 1969... Shorrock had gotten married and started managing a Brisbane band called the Avengers. But Glenn Shorrock was not the kind of guy to be content to just sit on the sidelines. So in spring of 1969, he formed Axiom. And as soon as their reformation became public, they were considered a supergroup of sorts. Keyboardist Brian Cadd and guitar player Don Muti both came from the R&B outfit The Group. Doug Lavery on drums came from the Valentines and guitar player Chris Stockley came from the psychedelic outfit, Cam Packed. They weren't together very long, but Axiom put out two excellent albums, Fool's Gold and If Only. And along the way, they scored a trio of top ten singles, Arkansas Grass, Little Ray of Sunshine, and My Baby's Gone. The band relocated to the UK to make things happen, but nothing happened, and they ended up breaking up there in 1971. However, Shorrock decided to hang around instead of going back to Australia. He signed with Tom Jones as MAM Records, put out a few singles, joined the Belgio-English band Esperanto, left the Belgio-English band Esperanto, and then he sang backup vocals for Cliff Richard. Busy week. Uh, three years later, in 1974, Glenn Shorrock headed back to Australia, and a few months later, he had joined the band Mississippi who renamed themselves with Shorrock in the fold, the Little River Band. You know, like Little River, Arkansas. I know, I know, Little River is a town in Victoria, Australia. Keep the cash, Mike Healy. Anyway, Mississippi renamed themselves the Little River Band, and the rest, as they say, is history. And what a history it is. The Little River Band were massive. They sold over 30 million records, Six of their albums were top ten in Australia. They had nine top 20 singles in Australia, with Help Is On The Way hitting number one. And in the U.S., they were no stranger to the charts. In fact, they racked up ten top 20 singles, their highest being Reminiscing, 
which hit number three. Meanwhile, back home, the Shorrock penned number Cool Change was named by the APRA as one of the top 30 Australian songs of all time. And the Little River Band were inducted into the Australian Recording Industry Association's Hall of Fame in 2004. Cool, right? Sure, but Shorrock beat them to it by almost 15 years. He was inducted as a solo artist in 1991. Now, Shorrock left LRB in 82, and he was replaced by John Farnham. He put out a few solo records, came back to LRB in 88, left again three years later, and from there, he did a variety of resume-packing things. He recorded again with his Axiom bandmate Brian Cadd. He toured as part of the musical Shout, The Legend of the Wild One, which was based on the life and times of Australian musician Johnny O'Keefe, and he played in the Beatles tribute show Let It Be. His new album, Glenn Shorrock Sings Little River Band, is a live in-the-studio set of 10 of Shorrock's favorite LRB tracks. Now, I have condensed 50 years of Glenn Shorrock's life into, what, eight clumsy minutes. If you want the straight dope, buy his autobiography. It's called Now Where Was I? And it's a great read. I hadn't read the book when I talked to Glenn, but after we spoke, I picked it up and I couldn't put it down. It is by far one of the most entertaining, engrossing, and truly captivating books about the rock and roll lifestyle that I've ever read. I would highly recommend it. Anyway, it was a real treat to talk to Glenn. He's engaging, he's smart, and he's very funny. I hope you like this conversation. This is me and Glenn Shorrock chopping it up on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Artistically, pretty satisfied, uh, you know, with my, as you say, long career. It's been 50-something years now, so I've, artistically I feel as though I've uh, done well. Maybe maybe didn't try hard enough, you know, I'm, I'm lazy by nature, <laughs> and uh, I've had a lot of opportunities come my way, but I've done my work, and... Um, yeah, I'm pretty pleased with that. But uh, rationally speaking, just the fact that I'm still singing singing um, for my supper, uh, which I've done my whole life. I've never had to resort to being a animal trainer or a, a waiter or something like that. You know, I've uh, been able to entertain people for a long time now, and that's very satisfying. I don't know, Glenn, just a, a quick look at your CV, and, and you don't seem like a lazy guy to me at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've been kept busy. Let me let me put it that way. I I never made any real plans, significant plans. Opportunities came my way, and I grabbed them. And uh, I I got mixed up with some great people along the way, who have become close friends. And you know, I, I've I've been lucky in that re- in that respect. I don't think I have any enemies, or well, none none that I speak to anyway. Well, so I want to know what the secret is to not having enemies in this long life that we live. Uh, You know, to think rationally, you know, don't get carried away with the emotion of the whole thing. Uh, There's a lot, a lot of emotion involved in involved in modern day life. A lot of changes that happen probably too quickly now for people just just to keep up. I think uh, 
retrospection and introspection is a good idea and you know my two songs uh illustrate that help is on its way and um and cool change of course in terms of you and your creative process Gwen, how are are you more efficient now as a songwriter or did you do you find that you that the, that you have access to the songs and creatively in a way that you always did. What what has changed for you in terms of the process? Not much. Uh, I I have not done much songwriting per se in the last few years, really. Um, mainly because uh, you know my life is still full of uh, my um, my body of work, mainly with LRB. Um, the techniques, the skills required for songwriting um, have improved, of course. Uh, that's why people are producing creative material, you know, from their from their living rooms and sometimes even more private rooms. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, you know, I don't I don't put songwriter on my passport. I put entertainer as my profession, and that's the way I've always felt that I am I've I've been the um the purveyor you know the salesman of uh, a few groups on you know in my past um my early days in the 60s growing up in in Adelaide South Australia you know I, I got on the bus pretty quick as soon as uh I, I I heard that good time rock and roll with Elvis and Little Richard and all those guys so yeah, that's that's you know you get famous uh, in your street, if you know what I mean, and then then in your suburb and and then in your in your city, your state, and then luckily nationally or and hopefully internationally. And uh, I've ticked all those boxes. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first uh, Australian musician I've talked to where I find out that you really have true English roots. Um, ah, hang on, hang on. Who, yeah. who else have you talked to? Okay, I talked to uh, Marty Wilson Piper of The Church. Okay. Uh, Steve Kilby, also an Englishman. Yeah. Um, yes. Rob Griffiths of The Little Murders. Uh, they were sort of a Mod Pop band in Melbourne in the 70s. Right. He's an Englishman. Uh, so... <laughs> So yeah. it's it's a familiar story. Did you run into a lot of a lot of uh, British guys when you were growing up? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was a migrant. You know, I my family migrated from England to Australia in the mid fifties and uh, moved into a sort of a migrant enclave, shall we say? Some some called it a concentration camp, but uh, no, it was a bit more uh, comfortable than that. Um, and uh, yeah, migrants were arriving daily from England and and also from uh, other parts of war torn, torn um, Europe, post war Europe. Yeah, um, and of course uh, Australia was a, a British colony, basically politically, culturally, whatever in those days. So traffic between England and uh, Australia was quite uh, busy, and uh, I was one of those. Travelers with bands, I mean, we played on on ships and stuff like that, and uh, and I, I I got the travel bug very early. Did you, in terms of your identity, 
did you did you always feel that you were sort of between two worlds like am i an englishman or am i australian like in terms of your national identity did that do a number on your head did it take you a while to kind of figure out who you were or or did you know that fairly early on uh are you from the immigration department <laughs> <laughs> i promise i'm not <laughs> i am i am british <laughs> no i'm I'm a non-nationalist, I've got to say. Uh, only certain things bring out the nationality in me. Uh, you know, I class myself as a citizen of the planet and uh, try and, re- try and um, behave responsible in that direction. Uh, no, um, nationalism doesn't hold much for me. It got the world in, it's got the world in too much trouble. You know, nationalism and religion, religious sex and... Uh, you know, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of want to. I think it's it's interesting how you kind of stay out of it. Okay. Well, no, I am I am quite verbal about these things, and um, maybe too to my detriment sometimes. Um, I'm I'm quick to point out some things that I think are wrong, and I'm I'm quick to anger. These are sort of uh, emotions that. I've uh, come to deal with, but you know, emotions are emotions. You and uh, you've got to deal with them, put them aside sometimes, and, and let them loose other times. Did the protest music of the '60s did that speak to you in terms of like like Phil Oaks or Bob Dylan? Did that stuff? Yes. Did that speak to you? Yes, yes, especially uh, the very first one. Well, first one that I heard was "Blowing in the Wind." And uh, yeah, I was about fifteen, I think, when I heard that back back in '63, '62, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, that that moved me. I didn't know I had those emotions at that time. I knew nothing. What are they protesting about? <laughs> you know, that that was a fairly uh, what's the word? Or you know, little little punk teenager in those days. Singing doo wop songs on the uh, on the street corners, a la Dion on the Belmonts and all those sort of people. And then uh, I, I actually heard "Blowing in the Wind" by Peter Paul and Mary because I was flirting with the folk scene at that time. And of course, the folk scene was very strongly aligned to the protest movement. No, Dylan's you know he's he's one of the triumvirate, isn't he? There's uh, there's Elvis. Elvis, Dylan, and the Beatles, probably the biggest movers and shakers that uh, have influenced my life. What was it about Dylan? Was it sort of the 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 fire? The lyric, the lyric, the the lyric, the subject, the uh, abstracts he could come up with. You know, he was. Oh, when I say was, he's still he's still around, isn't he? Um, You know, he was probably a very abstract songwriter. Uh, but when he wanted to be, you know, he he could, he could wag, wag the finger loud, louder than anybody else. Are you a, a competitive artist? Do you, w- when you were growing up, I mean, whether it was the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, doesn't matter. Um, did you ever hear people and go, oh, man, I got to I gotta up my game or I can do I can do better than that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, but I'm not fiercely competitive. I, I think I'm a team player, basically. 
and I like to be part of a good team. And I've had good teams uh, with me all the way, apart from uh, well, I still have now. You know, I still work with great musicians, but I don't. I, I no longer have a band name. I'm just me now. So uh, yeah, I've always looked at other people and think, oh gosh, why? Why are these people getting this publicity? You know, I've I've, I've got strong tastes, but. I think I'm, I'm I think I'm pretty liberal as well in those tastes. I love all sorts of creativity and especially music. I'd love to listen to uh, you know to Irish music, Indian music, African music. It's it's all part of the journey. It's wonderful. And that sort of speaks to your versatility. I mean, you were saying you were doing doo-wop, you've done uh rootsy mm. stuff, you've done pop. Um you know, you were you were thinking about the folk stuff. Um you seem like a guy who's always been very open to letting musical yeah. styles into your palette. Definitely. Oh, I think that's essential. You know, I, I get I get pretty opinionated about these people that just stay in the, this heavy metal genre. I mean, come on, <laughs> learn learn a bit more, more guys. <laughs> that 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 doesn't uh, push my buttons at all. You know, I like people to be adventurous. Um. That's just me. I like I'm a butterfly, you know. I like landing on different plants and uh, pollination and you know those sort of uh, anachronisms. So you challenge yourself to never repeat yourself, right? To never do the same thing twice. Uh, no, I don't challenge myself to do that, but I'm certainly. Um, oh, there's a lyric in a song that I wrote called "Will You Stand With Me," and one of the lyrics is, "I'll I'll pounce on mediocrity, but I'll cherish the surprise." Well, that sums it up. Good. <laughs> well, good talking to you. <laughs> yeah, have a good day. Uh, you, how how do you challenge yourself though uh, at this point in your life? I and mean, what are what are the ways that you do, or or do you consciously do something like that? Um, how do you push yourself artistically? Um, I mix with other people other than musicians. Um, I listen to people. Uh, from my own sort of um, stage craft, I try and um, include some songs that may be a little bit of a surprise to people. Um, it, it's a two-edged sword, you know, having had a, a body of work. It's great because it's, it keeps me alive and and keeps my um, name alive as well, my music alive. But uh, sometimes you... You know, oh God, not help is on its way. This this is the hundred and thirty four thousandth time I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> and and then as soon as I as soon as I think that I've I screw up the second verse, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> so you get you get too comfortable in your own bed. But that's the way I am, you know. I like to uh, feel comfortable in my own bed. But um get put your feet on the ground and Stretch as high as you can. That's the kind of philosophy. And, the, you know, there are many paths up the mountain um, in all respects. And, uh, but the view from the top is the same for everybody. You dig? I do, yeah, and I, and I agree. Now, I talked about this in the introduction to the show, but uh, when, I was, uh, when I was 12 or 13 years old, I, I lost a bet uh, to a guy because I said that you guys were an American band. And uh, his mom was Australian and went to high school with your guitar player. And she came to the bus stop and verified uh, that that you were indeed Australian. And I lost ten bucks, but 
you know, you guys, even listening to you now, you really sounded like an American band. Well, yes, that's understandable. I take that as a compliment. Um, a lot of people thought we were from England as well, um, because, you know, we talk funny. <laughs> and uh, um, But really, the influence goes all the way back to where it began. And I, I would venture to say it began in New Orleans, in your country, uh, as a... Uh, you know, as a gumbo of um, musical styles that uh, that churned out rock and roll as a very easy way of getting involved in music. It's pretty simple stuff. And you, you don't need a degree in music to uh, be successful, thanks to people like Elvis and, you know, all the great rock and rollers and uh, also folk singers and of our time, singer-songwriters, you know, people that express their own feelings rather than create musical works you know the pop culture has enabled uh, creativity come from varying backgrounds and you don't need to be a professor i grew you know i loved credence and i always thought that credence was from uh new orleans or or somewhere in the bayou and it turned out they were from 10 minutes from my hometown in california they they were not southern guys they were not uh so yeah. it's interesting how you how you can hear something and you can be channeling something even though you're not from that place, it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. It, it just touches a nerve or pushes your buttons, as they say. I, I really like that style of music, you know, that comes from comes from the heart, the the wooden music, as they call it, roots music, whatever you call it, you know, the the beginnings. But I uh, I also cherish the surprise of something like Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, which is which is over the top. Uh, Pretentiousness, really. <laughs> um, that won't go down very well at the moment, considering that's a that's an enormous movie, which I haven't seen, which I haven't seen yet. Well, but I mean, but about that song, that song knew that it was doing that, though, right? Like that was sort of like, yeah, right. It yeah, was very it was. aware of that. Oh, definitely. So I hear, yeah, they wanted to be totally over the top. And yeah. they they managed it. No, it, it's a great piece of work, no doubt about it. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I prefer that's all right, Mama. <laughs> ah, yeah. Just out of curiosity, uh, what is your work ethic like these days? Uh, what is your what does your discipline look like? And you know, as a second part, how do you practice? Uh, standing up. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good start. <laughs> yeah, it's a big yeah, it's a good start. It's a big challenge for me these days. Um, uh, no, I, you know, well, when you say practice, we used to call it practice when we first got together as kids and tried to find out whether we could do this stuff. But of course, when you get serious about it, then you start to rehearse and get a, a discipline going. Yeah, so in that respect, uh, I don't mind rehearsing. I, I don't like over-rehearsing. Um, one of the one of the um, arguments, not arguments, but one of the uh, things that used to irk me in LRB was that the, we, I thought we over rehearsed, and didn't leave much to spontaneity. Um, but you know, it's an even, it's a fifty-fifty thing, I think. Were you ever attracted to jazz in in the way that, you know, like someone like like Mingus yeah. or, uh, yes, right, that sort of improvisational element? Did you always like? 
did you have an affinity towards that? Yes, I did. Um, I wanted to be that, you know, I wanted to be the, the virtuoso. I listen a lot to great virtuoso music, magician, magicians, musicians. Um, you know, I'm staggered by the, by a lot of them, you know, they're just so wonderful. And then in Indian music, for instance, that, that's crazy music, man. That's just so clever. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I listen, I keep my ears open, um, but unfortunately I don't translate it into my own um, expertise. I, I tend to sit back and pontificate. People on their own are getting nowhere. I'm on the road to see if anything is anywhere waiting just for me. I don't 
It's a long way to where I'm going It's a long way there It's a long way to where I'm live setting and do you still feel is that a great place to kind of try stuff out or is that a, is that i imagine that might be kind of scary yeah it's not for me no i i have tried i, I, I to, to to diversify and keep my audience with me uh i i feel i have to do a couple of covers you know i and and basically i, I just want to sing other people's material anyway my new material would fall on deaf ears you know you don't get the satisfaction from it as you do playing the hits because the hits are so recognizable and people are so joyous about it um so i rarely try new music um it, it used to the, in your your new music used to come through your bands um from the albums from the recordings new material was introduced via the recordings rather than live performances but there are there are exceptions of course when you wrote your autobiography was that something that you had been thinking about doing for a while yeah i've read a lot of musical biographies and biographies in general uh everybody's got a story to tell it was just that i was i didn't have the wherewithal and the um the work ethic to get it done I I um I thought I could do it easily. You know, I I don't like real challenges. <laughs> I like to be able to do things quickly and and well, and get out and move on. But um, I started it a few times, and and then the title came to me. Now where was I? <laughs> you know that and uh, that sort of suited my mood. And um, I put my head down last year. No, not last year. The year before. 16 and uh, got it done I'm very happy with the result um, the book looks great and there's a lot of great uh, photographs of guess who um, <laughs> you know in, in my various incarnations and whatever and uh, yeah I'm pleased with it I, I, I wish it had got a bit more um, uh, critical attention and but that's that's the way it is with the uh, with my career these days, I don't get a lot of critical attention either one way or the other. I'm, I'm kind of, um, oh, that guy, yeah, you know, the elder statesman. Mm. Oh, he's great. <laughs> now, uh, moving on. <laughs> that that guy. But you, yeah, you that have guy. a resume, Glenn, that people would kill to have 5% of. 
Uh, some people have more than 5% of me. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got much left now. Um, eh, all of me. Why not take all of me? Um, so, uh, what was the question? <laughs> well, I, I just I just think that people know who you are, and, and I think that <laughs> it's hard for me to imagine people go, oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, because you you really have had an incredible mm. career, still having an incredible career. Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, it's winding down, I would say. You know, it's not sort of blossoming around the world anymore. Um, but my biggest regret and irritation is not being able to come over to America and sing, uh, because I'm. Not, I'm not threatened, but my my uh, would-be employers get threatened with legal action uh, were I to come and say, uh, you know, I'm the original lead singer of the Little River Band. Um, if you know what I mean, I, I, I should have I should have stayed on in in, in America when I, when I left the first time, really. But that's another story. It's in the book. Now I haven't read the book yet, but but take me back to that moment where you left LRB. What what would you have done differently? When when I exited the building, the LRB building, for one reason or another, I say exited because I was shown the door basically. Mm. Um, I should have said, "Oh well, fuck you. I'm staying here in uh, in America, and I'm going to um, further my solo career." I, I didn't do that. I I just came. Well, I, I was here back in Australia, so I just. Uh, lick my wounds and um uh I, I did come back to america and, and quickly recorded an album and uh, but i i should have just you know i should have just uh uh what's the word um oh, i can't think of the word now but but got my name out there you know glenn shorrock rather than just that guy in little river band i see I see. And so legally, you can't you can't come here and do that. Is that what you, is that what you're saying now? Legally, I can do that, but but I'm just not prepared to go into court to um, defend that legality. Got it. Got it. Uh, you know, I, the American legal system doesn't hold any real attraction to me at all. So um, <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> but it, it, it irks me, you know, that, that these guys, you know, get on. It's okay, you know. You guys have got my music. You, you guys have got the name, but I've still got your songs. I mean, my songs—they're my songs. Don't pretend they're your songs. Uh, you know, and um, I just like people to hear what I can do with those songs now. It, it, you know, I'm—I'm I'm a very good singer, and uh, my voice has improved over the, these last few years. So I guess the the relationship with with those other guys from from LRB is, is frosty at best. Is that a good way to put it? Uh, you mean with the LRB that's touring now? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty non-existent. It's, you know, every now and again the fans stoke the fire and um, and and we spit venom at each other for a couple of weeks, but then it dies down again. Um, you know, as, as I've said, I. I'm not militant about it. You know, these these guys are quite prepared to make make a living playing my music. That's fine, but don't deny me my right to go and, and play my music. Now, going back to the music, um, I know in the early days that you traveled in many of the same circles as as Bon Scott. 
Uh, did you know Bond pretty well? Yes, I knew. I knew Bond. Don't worry. Yeah, Bond and I were tear away lead singers at the time. In the 60s here in um, Australia, we were all copying everything willy-nilly. We were all... We were in, um, well, Bond was in a teeny bopper band called uh, The Valentines. Right. And uh, I was in a not-so-pop band called The Twilights. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were um, Beatle clones, as it were. Um, yeah, Bond was a tearaway. Uh, it was fun. There's a nice couple of stories about him in the book. The, the term tearaway I've never heard before. Does that Does that just mean... Wild child. Ah. <laughs> Wait, were you were you oh, a yeah. wild child as well? Uh, I tried to be, but I wasn't that good at it. Well, Bomb was the real deal, right? Oh yeah, he was the real deal. Uh, I was just a wuss, you know. I was just pretending. But you know, I've I've, I've had my moments. I've slept with a couple of palm trees. <laughs> <laughs> um, would... Yeah, well, Bomb. You know, Bomb was a great singer, soulful singer. Uh, I didn't take too much to the ACDC period. I have great respect for those those guys, but it's not my cup of tea. You know, I'm I'm not a screamer. And but, and Bond Bond became a screamer, and uh, well, uh, uh, along with everything else that he got involved with, it finally killed him. I would imagine if Bond Scott wants to go out drinking with you, I I would imagine you might have thought twice after a while. Twice about what? You can't think about anything if you're drinking with Bond. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to keep up. You just keep up. You know, he's a Scotsman, man. He's he's crazy. But, but he's a, lovely. A sweet guy? He just had that. A sweet guy, absolutely, yeah. I thought, boy, I wonder if Bond Scott was doing kind of a bit, because when he did the ACDC stuff, that was so different than what he'd been doing uh, when, you know, when you knew him prior to that. Mm. It was so different. Oh, yeah. He, you know, they flirted with the whole... Uh, band syndrome as we all did back in the um 60s late 60s early 70s when the when the band came along and um um, my band axiom uh, with brian my old friend uh was heavily influenced by the band and so was uh bond's band called fraternity which began in um, adelaide yeah we were all touched by that um well, it's more American. It was more Americana than Americana is now, I think. When punk rock hit, and when it hit Australia, did you did you just ignore it, or did, were you aware of it? Like, how did that, when that showed up on the radar, you know, in the mid seventies, late seventies, what was your take on punk rock? Oh, I hated it. I th- yeah, I thought I you might. <laughs> yeah, it's not my. It's too aggressive. You know, it just relies totally on attitude and regression and with little talent, really. I appreciate the the anarchy of it. I, I, I understand what that's all about, but uh, no, it's not my cup of tea. Um, some of it's kind of amusing, really. I think Johnny Rotten became a pr- pretty amusing caricature of himself. And, yes. Uh, what, uh, what was the manager's name? Oh, McLaren. McLaren, yeah, he had a, a sort of foppish eccentricity, Englishness about him that I, I noticed. But no, I didn't. I didn't follow the punk movement at all. What about guys that 
in, in terms of you're looking at careers like guys like Neil Young or Graham Nash or, or Joni mm-hmm. Mitchell and looking at how, how those people have uh, sort of continued artistically to push themselves and to grow. Um, and you yeah. can argue, it's funny, I was thinking about, you know, Dylan's voice to me has changed so much. Um, yes. where you were saying your voice has gotten stronger. Um, yes. Is that is that just genetics? <laughs> like, or is that good, good fortune? Or you were good you you were good to yourself? Oh, I don't know. It's, there's a lot of luck involved there. You know, I haven't really taken care of myself that much. I mean, I've I've kept myself alive, <laughs> but uh, you know, I've never pushed the boundaries that much. Um, it, Dylan, I mean, Dylan's finally found his rock and roll voice now. I think. Um, I think he always wanted to be a rock and roll singer. I, uh, I saw him at Coachella a couple of years back. Um, one of the best three three days. It was like being at Woodstock again. Not that I was originally at the Woodstock, but um, uh, you know, I, I watched him as he as he as he is now. Fairly well, not exactly gregarious, is he? <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then recently, I I went back and and played 1962, the first album that he did. And it's amazing to hear him play harmonica and sing, um, you know, like uh, accurately, a lot more accurate than he, than he became. And, you know, there was a period of time there in, in, Dylan's, in Dylan's career that I couldn't, I couldn't listen to his harmonica playing after a while. It was just so, like like a dentist drill but um that really early stuff it's very melodic it's it's interesting to hear him hear his music at the age age of 20 but you know we all go through periods and and uh dynamics and he certainly has but you know there's just an honesty and a mysticism about dylan that's sometimes unreachable he's 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 no man's fool that's for sure i know they were calling that old cella but uh it's the same idea. You're down there in the desert watching a lot of music. What What was your take on that experience? Oh, it's fantastic. No, you know, we did. We just uh, somebody said there's still tickets left, uh, and, and he was going, and he said there's, there's tickets going on. And I looked at my wife and said, "Have we got anything on that weekend?" No. Okay, let's go. So it was one of the spur of the moment things. Paid for a ticket and flew over and uh, stayed a few nights in Palm Springs and w- watched, you know, probably a, um, a three-day three-day uh, festival of um, the icons of our time will probably never be repeated again. Uh, Friday night was the Stones and Dylan, and Saturday night was Neil Young and Paul McCartney. Sunday night was the Who and Roger Waters. Unbelievable. Yeah. And there was a lot of very stoned old hippies stumbling around, and I was one of them. <laughs> so, Glenn, tell me this: what what is the what is the plan for the future? What what do you have lined up? Uh, well, I still got you know I still got some hopes of getting over to America this year. Uh, you know, I'm one of those yacht rock programs, perhaps. Um, other than that, I'm going to take a lot of holidays. I'm going to keep working uh, around Australia, New Zealand, and elsewhere. You know, with my body of work and um, 
with some great musicians these days. Um, you know, I get to work with good good people now. Not not the people I worked with were bad people. Just that you know, now I'm the um, the point of the pyramid rather than being one of the uh, blocks in the pyramid. Mm. So uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll just keep on keeping on. Um, I've I've revisited um, ten or twelve, ten or eleven tracks, uh, LRB tracks, and um, just re-recorded them in slightly different way, um, which I'm pretty proud of. I, I I don't anticipate it being anything important, but uh, I'd, I'd like to interest my fans and just see how it's accepted. People would say, oh, I've got that. You know, I got the original. Why do I want another version? Well, this is the way I do it now. How about this? So that's a, that's what I want to keep doing. And um, I'll probably do an album of covers, you know, of classic songs that I've grown up with and loved and always wanted to sing, that sort of stuff. I'll just enjoy myself and, and uh, keep myself out of trouble. I've had a listen to the new album, and I, and I love it. I think it sounds fantastic. Oh, you've heard it? Yes. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. So, does it? Does anything? Any questions arise? Why did? Uh, why did I do that? Or, or no, did you it, just enjoy the versions? I the, enjoy the, the, the versions. Like I like how that you stretch them out in spots, and there, yeah, there's. Yeah. Um, I guess that's the best way there's, I can put it. Okay. Well, there's less production involved. You yeah, know, it's more it's more organic, and uh, the producer Steve Barbie, he was the uh, the catalyst for me doing it. And he he just said, you know, you should, we'll just do a bit of a funky version, get some younger guys, and I said, well, why would I do that? I, everybody's younger than me anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm, all, I'm already doing it with younger guys. Uh, anyway, no, I'm I'm very happy. I, I just let him run with it. I let him. Produce it. I let him mix it, and um, he presented it to me, and I was very happy with the result. I didn't have to change anything. Um, it was fun to do, and it sounds good. It sounds really good. It does. It sounds. It sounds very natural, and it sounds very breezy, and I and good. I love that about it. Good. Oh well, turn your friends onto it, mate. You know, just gotta, just gotta get make people aware of it. Well, Glenn, I'm happy to spread the word, and uh, I want to thank you for your time. It was a real treat to uh, to talk to you. Good, thanks, Alex. I appreciate it too. Maybe you know, maybe this year, you know, we'll get to meet, and um, I, I I'll get to sing in front of an American audience again. Um, yeah, and uh, people will say, "Oh, it's that guy." That guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's long overdue. I, I, you know, I, I know you would do very well here in the Bay Area. I, I know that. San Francisco yeah. would love to see you. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And uh, again, thanks for your interest and um, keep in touch. Hey, keep up the good work, my friend. I will. Thank you, Alex. All the best to you. Well, you know, you're pretty legit if you've been uh, elected to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. And that's uh, that's Glenn Shorick's CV, two-time inductee. Nice guy. I really like talking to him. He's very cool. Uh, the new album is fantastic. Go get it. It's called Glenn Shorick Sings Little River Band, The Hits, live in studio. 
And uh, you can pre-order it at glennshorek.com. Two N's, two R's, by the way. It's out March 8th, but if you order it now, it'll arrive before everybody else's, and you'll be the coolest kid on the street. And don't be fooled by the podcast that I've got. I'm still Alex, Alex from the block. You can visit my website at alexgreenonline.com for all information about me. I am doing a bunch of live events in March, so... Visit the site when you can, and you'll find all the information there. Okay, if you want to email me, please do it. Editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Maybe there's a guest you want me to have on the show. Maybe there's someone you want me to have back. Well, just tell me what you want, and I'll make it happen. And if I don't make it happen, just know that I tried, and I'm probably still trying. So don't give up hope, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, There's always a possibility that I could uh, interview Halsey right here in the studio, and uh, the two of us could paint a picture while I'm interviewing her. (laughs) Something tells me I would find the picture sexy and she would find it gross. Uh, On Twitter, at Ember's Editor. On Instagram, Ember's Podcast. Find me there. I always love hearing from you. And if you're on iTunes, please subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to Bombshell Radio. And please leave us a rating if you have some time. It means the world to us. So thank you very much in advance for that. Now, my intern pointed out that in the introduction to this show, I said that Axiom... Uh, had uh, done a reformation when they'd really just done a formation. So that has now been corrected. I'm sure the onslaught of mail that was coming because of that mistake uh, has been stopped in its tracks. Did I really say that? I'm asking my intern Hannah right now. She's nodding her head, so I must have. She's good. She's never wrong. And uh, she's not shy about pointing out my mistakes. Like, for example, she said to me today, didn't you wear that shirt yesterday? Uh, and I think I did. That's the thing about me. I have uh, I have the wardrobe for radio. Uh, let's close things off with The Night Owls by Glenn Shork. Brand new, live in the studio. Enjoy it. And I'll see you next week right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Exclusively heard right here on Bombshell Radio. There's a bar right across the street. He's got a need he just can't be. Out on the floor. Shuffles his feet away He'll get the girl cause he looks so fine He's gonna win her every time He knows he will He's out there still, he's a night owl Move on
there's a bar right across the street He's got a need he just can't be Out on the floor he shuffles his feet away He'll get the girl cause he looks so fine He's gonna win her every time he knows he will He's out there still, he's a night owl 